2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Father, as we come to your holy word and spend time reflecting upon these incredible statements, this benediction, we ask that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit, that we would know your presence, that our thoughts would not be our own, but they would be from you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. It sounded like a benediction, and it was only one sentence, and it is a benediction, one that we use regularly. This summer, we're going to be looking at benedictions, doxologies, and prayers. Why? Within each of these statements that we often use at the end of a service, there is so much truth. So after every worship service, one of our pastors from this position calls the congregation to lift their eyes towards heaven and give them a benediction. But what is a benediction? And what is the difference between a benediction and a doxology? And what is the difference between a benediction, a doxology, and a prayer? And there is a difference. In fact, many times when a benediction is written, it's actually not a benediction. It's a doxology. And it certainly is God's word and appropriate to be an encouragement, but there's a difference. In fact, in the benediction that you will receive today, you will see a benediction followed by a doxology. Here's the difference. A benediction is a blessing from God. That's what the word means. It means a good word. A benediction is something coming from heaven to earth. Whereas a doxology is something coming from earth to heaven, just as a prayer is. So when you hear a phrase that says, to him be all glory and honor, that's actually a doxology. If the word may is present, may the Lord himself bless you, that is a prayer. Those are from earth, from people bringing to praise or a request to God. But a benediction is not that. A benediction is a blessing that's coming from heaven to God's people, and it's powerful. A benediction is more than just a a warm, wishful goodbye. It's more than saying, we're wrapping it up because we're done here. A benediction is a powerful possession that is telling us God is not done. That he is going to send us out and use us in the powerful words that he has given. So benediction is not just a formal way of saying, see you next week. A benediction involves something far deeper. John Owen, the Puritan theologian, said this. It's wordy but powerful. The benediction is an announcement of the possession. So listen to each of these words. The benediction is an announcement of the possession of a blessing promised forever to the church and not simple, a simple wish or desire. So when a benediction is given from the word of God, it is the possession that's being announced of a blessing that is promised. In other words, when the minister says, he pulls his hands up and he gives you a statement like the one you just heard, the love 
of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. These things believers in Christ already possess. So when the minister says, the Lord bless you and keep you, the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you, the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, that is not a request. It is not a petition. It's not from earth to heaven. It is from God to his people. And it's very significant. The reason that we look at this one today is it's called the apostolic benediction. It's found in 2 Corinthians 13, 14 at the end of Paul's letter. And each of these phrases are so substantial and the order in which they're given is substantial too. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace is one of those words in the church that we get used to. And the more we get used to something, the more insignificant it can actually become. We can forget that the only reason we could ever have believed in what Jesus said and did and is doing and promised to do is because of grace. I remember going to seminary in 1994. My goal was simply to become more acquainted with the Word of God, how to study the Word of God, even in the original languages, to learn how to be a pastor, to encourage men and women and young people to grow in their faith. And I remember getting there, and within the first few weeks, I had a problem. And the problem was I couldn't stand one of my classmates. Now, you know that's possible because we're human, but that's not my normal mode of operation. I, I like people, I like to get to know people, but this guy, I couldn't stand him. And I'm in seminary. There was a class that we attended together called Ministry Assessment and Development. And our wives were to be a part of that class for the whole semester. And the class was just saturated in the doctrine of grace. Grace, grace, grace. Without grace, you wouldn't know the Lord. Without grace, you couldn't be called to ministry. Without grace, and it just kept going. Dr. Phil Douglas was our professor, and the things that we were reading were so deep in grace. And so here's my conflict. This guy says to a group of us in the middle of a break between the classes, grace, enough of grace. I didn't come here to learn grace. I came here to learn the word of God. I'm tired of grace. Now, when I said that in the last service, there was a lady sitting right here, and she goes, oh! That was appropriate. You were almost doing that. You just had your mouth open with no noise coming out. That's how I felt, and I didn't like him because of it. In fact, I went so far to say he shouldn't be here. Who can say that? Who can say that grace isn't deep? Well, we could. We could forget so easily that God gave you grace to wake up today, that God gave you grace to love as he's called you to love, that God gave you grace to think right about his word. But the longer we live in that grace, the more we grow, it's easy to forget. But there, but by the grace of God go I. And so that's why God brought Christina into my life. Because I would lament after that class about how much I was struggling to like this guy. 
Now, to give you some encouragement, of all the people I graduated with, he's my closest friend. I spent five days with him on my sabbatical because I trust him so much to speak truth into my life. How could that happen? I think it's because of Christina, my wife. She finally said, enough. He's not the only one that doesn't get grace. You're not showing grace to him. You're not showing grace to him. (laughs) I see you up there. What do you mean? I get grace. You know, the truth was, grace hadn't gone that deep to my heart either. And I had to confess that sin. And what David said is so true. I was weak, and so was he. Grace, grace, grace. We can never forget it. It's because of the grace of Jesus Christ that we could ever understand the love of the Father. If not for the grace of Jesus Christ, we could never enter into the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. But we have to understand what grace means. And we can't forget it. And we've got to continue to rehearse what it means, or we will forget it. Jerry Bridges, who wrote a book called Pursuit of Holiness, which was the first Christian book I ever read. I was around 16. Later wrote a book called Transforming Grace and then Disciplines of Grace. And in both of those books, he said his book Pursuit of Holiness didn't have enough grace. And he's right. He was right. He's no longer alive. He's with Jesus. But he spoke of grace this way. He said, growing up in East Texas... We lived near the railroad tracks, and it wasn't uncommon for a hobo, a homeless person, that's what we called them back then, to come to our house and knock on the door. And my mother, seeing the condition of this individual, would make them a meal, a meal they didn't deserve, pack it up, and give it to them, and off they would go. Time and time again, I watched her do that. And he said, and it was so gracious but that's not grace. It's part of grace. The individual received something he didn't deserve. Then he adds a fictional element to the story by saying this. Imagine if the man knocked on the door and my mom goes to the door like she usually did. And when she sees the man that's there, she realizes and recognizes that he's the one who just robbed us, who broke into our house and stole my jewelry, stole the things that I possessed. And in seeing his face, she does the same thing she had always done. She goes and makes a meal and brings it to him instead of calling the police, which is what he deserved. That is a more clear picture of grace. It's not us just getting something we didn't deserve. It's us, all of us, also not getting something we did deserve. And that's the wrath of God. But justice had to be paid. 
and so that the law could be satisfied, so justice could be realized, the Father's perfect justice, the penalty for our sin, which deserved his wrath for all of us, was poured out on Christ on the cross. That is grace. That's why Paul says in Ephesians 2, you and me, we were dead in our trespasses and sins, following the course of this world, the spirit of the power of the air, among the sons of disobedience in whom we all once lived, following the passions of the flesh. And then he goes a little further and says, but God, one of the great conjunctions of the Bible, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, made us alive together in Christ. And then he goes on to say, it is a gift of God, not by works, so that no man can boast. It is by grace you have been saved. You got what you didn't deserve. And you and I didn't get what we did deserve. That's what Paul is after. And at the end of this letter to the Corinthians, he says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Without the grace of Jesus Christ, you could never see this love of God. And what is the love of God? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. If you are in Christ, it's because of his grace which caused your dead heart spiritually to beat for him. And as the Holy Spirit did the illumination work of showing you irresistible grace, the irresistible grace of Jesus Christ, you said, I believe. And in saying, I believe, you began to taste something of the love of God, which you have heard about today, we've sung about today. God's word describes his love this way. It's so wide, so wide, so deep, so long, so high, in the Greek, those are per perfect measurements. What it means is the love of the Father is so great, so perfect that we could never measure it. When we speak of God, we often praise him for his attributes like omnipotence, all power, omniscience, all knowing, omnipresent, meaning he's here right now. We should say omni-loving as well. God's love for us cannot be improved. If God could love you more, dear sister, dear brother, dear friend, if he could love you more, he would. But he can't because his love is perfect. And if he could love you more, that would mean his love is not perfect. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, that perfect, omni-love, only God's love. Lastly, Paul says in this blessing, in fellowship of the Holy Spirit, what an amazing statement. 
The fellowship of the Holy Spirit means that all who are in Christ are brought into a fellowship with God the Father and Son, not one day, but even now. And what it means is that for all who have professed faith in Jesus Christ, there is God's presence inside us. There's also God's power inside us. And because of his presence and his power, he reveals to us time and time again the promises of God. That he who started a good work in us, Jesus Christ, the grace of the Jesus Christ, is going to bring it to completion. Dear friend, he's leading you. He's with you. He will never forsake you. The fellowship of the Holy Spirit means he's present. He's powerful. He promises. Not only to lead us and be with us and never forsake us, but he also promises to give us an inheritance. An inheritance that's beyond anything that you and I can even ask or imagine. An inheritance that the Holy Spirit is keeping for all who are in Christ. Is that you? If it is you, then never forget. It's because of the grace of the Lord Jesus that you could hear the love of God and the grace of the Lord Jesus that you could enter into this fellowship. And in a few minutes, when I come back to the pulpit and ask you to lift your eyes towards heaven, you're going to hear a different benediction connected to a doxology that includes a possession of a blessed promise that is yours now for all who are in Christ. And because of that, because of the gospel, because of the grace of Jesus Christ, we respond, thanks be to God. Love, so amazing. Love, so divine, demands my life, my soul, my all. Lord Jesus, thank you for your holy word. Thank you for your grace. Thank you, Father, for your love. Thank you for leading us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being present in us even now. And thank you that you continue to lead us. Remind us that you're with us. Remind us that we need grace. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive me, Lord, when I forget that it is by grace alone that I believe. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.